Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Locker Room. I'm your host, Tommy Tellerino. Alongside me today is my co-host, Jordan Navarro, and we have another action-packed episode for you. Jordan, look at all swagged out today on me. Hey, man, I'm feeling myself. New glasses, shaved up a little bit. You know, it's a, it's a good it's a good start to a weekend. I'm feeling great. I'm not, I'm not used to a clean-cut Jordan. We only get this a couple times a year. I know. I usually look like a hobo, but I had to <laughs> had to clean up. Had to clean up. Thanks, great. man. Yeah, let's get right into it. You know, World Series three games so far. We got Braves up two one in the series. Take by game one. You know, the Astros welcomed in National League champions Atlanta Braves for game one at Minute Maid Park Tuesday. Houston was favored to win not just the game but the entire series outright. Braves shook this up immediately. Found early success at the plate, built a lead. They take a 1-0 series lead, winning 6-2 on this one. What stood out to me, and probably for most of America, is Charlie Morton pitched on a – was it a fractured femur or a fractured leg? I think it was a fractured femur. Fractured femur, yeah. Dude is a gamer. Did you see what he said in the post game or the press? I, I didn't see the press conference. Uh, he pretty much – like he didn't, you know, talk about how sorry he was for himself. He said he said – he said he said sorry to his teammates because he couldn't pitch in the series anymore. That's all he said. What a guy. That's dedication right there. Dedication. But, he, yeah, he closed out the inning, and as a team, the Braves had 12 hits. Soler and Duvall combined three hits, four RBIs, led the way for Atlanta. Braves relief pitching got it done. Four relief pitchers after the injury gave up two runs and collected 11 strikeouts. That was going to be key coming into the series for Atlanta, wasn't it, Jordan? Yeah, for sure. You know, in a, in a seven-game series, especially one where, you know, they flipped home field advantage, you know, they come in and they they take one at Houston, which everyone figured they are going to have to do, going into three in Atlanta, which I think they're on what game? Four tonight? Yeah, game four tonight. But, uh, you know, they're going to have to flip one in Houston. They did that, but – having to go to the bullpen so early, you know, in a series, a seven game series like this, you know, you're going to see those, those relievers more and the more hitters see relievers, the they're more in tune, they're going to be against them. So, you know, it was huge for the bullpen to come in and do as good as they, they did, but it's also kind of a, it's kind of a pitfall of having to use them so much. Yeah. We saw that pitfall happen really in game two as Astros tied up the series real quick and dominated for a seven, two win. They put together nine hits, one home run by Altuve. And they took advantage of some errors on the Braves' end. Really, this Astros team, the past couple series, the scores look way more dominant than the actual game was. You know, they, they get the business done in, like, one inning, and it they overload that inning, and that's really it. Yep. It's almost like they kind of suck the air out of the building. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's kind of hard to come back, especially a team that's just so like Dusty Baker has his team so dedicated and they're so disciplined and they don't make those mistakes. And, you know, coming back from a seven to two deficit, something like that, you know, you rely on a couple of mistakes from your team and the Astros just don't make them. Is that because they see into the future? Well, or I mean, it might be, you know, we're <laughs> not going to get into it. <laughs> but uh, game three, Atlanta would answer right back. Pit, they almost hit pitched a combined no-hitter, but they end up shutting out Houston for a 2 nothing win. Five pitchers, two hits. The pitching stepped up once again. Bats were relatively cold for Atlanta and Houston. I want to say they only had 
one hit that brought in a run, and the other one was a sack fly for Atlanta. Yep, Travis Darno in the bottom of the eighth, I believe, hit a 437-foot home run to center field. And I think that he was injured most of the year with a torn thumb ligament. That was his first home run at uh, home this year. And what a time to get it. What a time to be alive for him right now. <laughs> but um, we got game four tonight, and it looks like Houston's going to give Granky the ball to start, and Braves are going to – roll with Dylan Lee. This game's in Atlanta. Jordan, how do you think this one turns out? Um, I actually have the, the Braves winning the next two and winning this in Atlanta. Um, I think they're going to take the game tonight, go up 3-1, and I think tomorrow on Halloween, they're going to dress up as a World Series champions. No November baseball is what you're saying. No November baseball. That, that's a shame because you always love more baseball. But um, I think Houston's going to take this one. I think um, we're going to go six games. I think Granky might be able to get it done. I this Braves lineup, they've been kind of cold the past couple games. they got to turn it around. There could be a big momentum shift for the hitting, maybe another Jocktober special, another Peterson home run. You never know. But uh, I do think the Braves are going to close it out in six, though. Yeah. I actually, speaking of Jocktober, I'm pretty sure I saw something. It was on Twitter. So I don't know if this is true or not, but it's still hilarious, even if it isn't. Apparently, Jock, uh, Jock Peterson's pearls broke and he flew a jeweler down before game four to get some new ones. So he should still have the pearls on tonight, but he flew a jeweler to, to Atlanta to get some more. That's some dedication right there. Dedication. That's like, um, with Kiki Hernandez, you know, on his hot streak. Did you hear about what happened with him? No, I did not. Uh, he didn't change his underwear for most of the playoffs. Uh, you know, more power to him. Yeah, that, I mean, baseball players are superstitious. Yeah. You got to love it, though. That's another element that just adds to the game where you just you can't hand on it. Yeah, you know, the smells of the game. You know, the worn <laughs> underwear. <laughs> you know, just going to the ballpark and smelling sweat and dedication. And I mean, that's probably what Boston already smells like. Anyway. <laughs> and oysters. Yeah. And the, the chowder in there. <laughs> the but um, really, we're going to see baseball close up soon. And the NBA is just kicking off. We're yeah. full weekend and we've seen some blockbuster games so far. First one that stood out to me, and I know you watched it. It was... Uh, New York and Chicago. That was a big game. Um, yeah, this was a massive game. Uh, this was the start of Chicago's. I'm gonna call it their uh, their proving grounds. This is the first of many games they have in the coming week or two that are you know legit teams, and we're gonna see they're gonna be thrown to the fire and see if they're actually a good team. But uh, yeah, this game it was 104 to 103, but. It was kind of looking like it was going to be a pretty dominating, convincing Knicks victory. And with about a minute left, uh, the Bulls put off a 12 nothing run or a 10 nothing run to cut it within three, I believe. Or no, within one, actually. And then Julius Randle got sent to the line and missed both free throws. With 4.8 left, the Bulls got the ball back with a chance to win it. Billy Donovan called a timeout so they could advance the ball. They drew up what was actually a pretty good play. I don't know if you saw the last play. 
Um, I did not see the last play. So I believe it was Zach Levine. I believe it was Zach Levine. He, up, he inbounded the ball to DeMar DeRozan on the right wing. And he came back. He ran back in bounds, so Zach Levine did, right to DeMar. DeMar faked the handoff. And they actually had Mitchell Robinson in the right corner. So uh, Billy Donovan was saying the play was supposed to be the handoff to Zach Levine. They had Vooch uh, pulled out to the corner. So Mitchell Robinson was out there and he wasn't gonna be able to contest the layup. Uh, DeMar ended up taking it himself. Uh, Billy Donovan said he was perfectly okay with that. And DeMar ends up missing the game winner on a mid-range jumper that was on the right side, right elbow. Uh, it was pretty bad. It was a pretty bad miss. Uh, not going to lie. Really? Uh, that, yeah. Pretty sure he A-balled it, but it is what it is. But this was a close game, man. Um, Zach Levine was 7 of 17, 2 of 6 from the field, or 2 of 6 from 3. He had 25 points, a plus minus of 6. The main player on this team, on the Bulls, that really had the biggest impact, I believe, was Vucevic. Vooch had 22 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, was 3 of 5 from 3, 8 of 13 from the field. Um, as a team, they shot 34% from the three-point line, 43 from the field, and 91% from the free-throw line. So the Bulls, they almost pulled the comeback off, almost. Yeah, this Bulls team, when you just told me DeRozan, mid-range shot, that usually goes the other way. Mm-hmm. DeRozan mid-range is deadly. Step out three-point line, it's another story. But I'm looking at these stats for the Bulls, and – they, as a team, they played pretty well. You know, they got back into the game. And this Knicks team, you know, this this is a big game for them to win just because Julius Randle did not play well at all, and they still were able to pull it out. Julius Randle had 13 points, four turnovers, 0 for 2 from 3, 3 for 11 on the night. Really, for someone who we saw got out to a hot start every other game, this is a great job by the Bulls' defense in shutting them down. It was, and Lonzo was on in most of the game. And I think that's a big thing that people have to realize with Chicago. They're a very small team. Uh, Tony Bradley's the only big off the bench. I mean, Alizé Johnson, he's I think he's 6'9". But Tony Bradley's the only person that has actual center size. And Lonzo Ball was on Julius Randle most of the night, and he did an admirable job guarding Julius Randle. You know, Lonzo is an underrated defender, I think. I do think um... – you know, a lot of people talk about how he can't shoot and it overshadows the rest of his game. I think this was a great addition by the Bulls so far. He's shown that, like, he's going to take that next level with this Chicago team. Yep. But uh, a big loss for Chicago was Patrick Williams. He's out for uh, the remainder of the regular season, they're saying right now? Uh, Yeah, it's four to six months with a dislocation of the wrist. I don't remember the exact injury. It's pretty severe. Um, but Billy Donovan said that if the Bulls do make a playoff run, that he could potentially be back for that. But they're holding, they're not holding their breath on that. So, at twenty, at twenty years old, P. Will will probably miss the whole whole season, which really hurts his development. But a uh, another Bulls second year player got injured uh, on the same day, and that was Michael Jordan. So, uh, and he missed his whole sophomore season. So you know, just just putting that out there. Never know. Never know. I'm just saying. Hey, you know, it's my fantasy. Pete <laughs> Will could could be the next MJ. That's all I'm going to say. Do you think uh, for them to make a deep run, do they need him on this team? or? Uh, he was playing okay. I would have loved to see him be more aggressive early in the season. 
but his defense is going to be sorely missed. He's a great team defender. His on-ball defense was making great – he's making great strides in that. He's more of a natural three. They're having to play him at the four, and I thought eventually they're going to end up putting him on the bench because Javante Green, his his plus-minus was minus 10, so it didn't look too great. But the, the offense went cold when he got on the court, but it really wasn't his fault. But Javante Green is a menace defensively, and his energy is sorely needed in the, the starting lineup. So I thought eventually P. Will would be uh, on the bench. But I don't think we necessarily need him to make the playoffs. He definitely helps, but they do need a big. The Bulls are going to have to find some size during the season. Never know. I've heard uh, Thaddeus Young might be bought out. Might see a little Thadgic reunion there in Chicago. He loved it here. I would happily take him back. That would that'd be a great fit. I think he'd fit right in off the bench. Yep. And then, you know, for New York, who really stepped up for him was Kemba Walker. 21 points, two steals, two assists, four rebounds, five or six for three, seven or 12 on the night. This is something that, like, we didn't see a lot of in Boston. Do you think this Knicks team is just a better fit for him? Or is it a better coaching style for him? Um, I think he's just healthier, honestly. You know, coming off the injury last year, he was kind of forced to – they still wanted him to be Kemba, and he was trying to force a lot of stuff to, you know, there's high expectations for Boston, obviously. But uh, I think he's healthier. I think uh, Tibbs, obviously, is a wonderful coach. And I think he realizes – you know, because back when he was coach in Chicago, he wanted everyone to play defense, even Derek. You know, if you didn't, if you, did, if you didn't play defense, you didn't see the court. And Kimba, he's an okay defender. No, you know, he's no one to write home about. Everyone, he's just passable, and he's allowed Kimba to just, hey, man, you know, you're here to score. You're here to be our offensive point guard, and Kimba's kind of excelled at that. So I think it is. I think it's he's a better fit for this team who sorely needed some guards that could score last year and the starting lineup uh, consistently. And I think he's just healthier. I like the one-two combo of him and D. Rose. I think that gives him a little bit of a less pressure on the offense because in Boston, they didn't really have a lot of playmakers besides him. If you think about it, Marcus Smart was the next one up for playmaking. Yeah. And, you know, it's almost like they run their offense through Julius Randle anyway. And Kimba and Derrick Rose have never been – you know, phenomenal, like, jaw-dropping passes or anything. Yeah. You know, they're, you know, they average their five or six assists or whatever, but they're not, you know, they're looking to score the ball. And I think the person that benefits from this the most, actually, is Emmanuel Quickly. Like, he had so much pressure on him last year to actually play a huge role and score. And he gets to step back. He's played – he hasn't been the greatest early in the season – but I think, you know, he's going to find his footing off the bench and he's going to end up being a really efficient scorer for them. And obviously Mitchell Robinson is loving having Derrick Rose and Kimball on the on the court because they're throwing him lobs constantly. Him and Obi, that second group for the Knicks can be really good. You Especially got- when you have a vet like Taj Gibson coming yeah. off the bench with him. And Alex Burke, who's a good defender. Yep. That's a, this is a deep Knicks team if you think about it. And then Knicks are four and one after that, and Chicago's four and one. We'll talk about them both later in the power rankings. I'm sure they're going to come up. And so the next game we had was the Minnesota Timberwolves traveled the Milwaukee Bucks for a 113-108 win, which this shocked me. 
I was not expecting for Minnesota to walk away with a win right here. Carl Anthony Towns on the night had 25, five assists, three rebounds, one steal, three blocks, seven turnovers, plus seven overall. You know, that's we've really seen him excel as an offensive center in this league. He's never really made that stride as a defensive center. So I think the three blocks for him, that's a big night for him. If I was the team, I'd try to have him get more in the rebounds. You know, he's he is is he seven one? Is he over seven feet? Yeah, he's around seven foot. I feel like some of that big, I know Giannis and Brooke Lopez are on him. You gotta you gotta get some I won't say strength because he is a strong guy, but he's got to get some. He's got to box out better, I believe. Uh, I think I agree in this game specifically. He didn't rebound well at all, but I actually think it has more to do with the lineup than anything. Because I I feel like last year he averaged like twelve and a half. I don't know. Someone can stat check me on that. I think he averaged around twelve rebounds last year. So he's a he's a pretty good rebounder, and he's pretty good offensively at rebounding. But their lineup was pretty pretty tall against this Milwaukee team. Uh, Jaden McDaniels played uh, small forward, I believe. I think he's around 6'9", 6'10". And Jared Vanderbilt played yeah. power forward, and he's he's tall as well. And uh, Jared Vanderbilt had 13 rebounds, and Jaden McDaniels had 11. So I think, you know, they just allowed Cat to, to not really worry about rebounding, save his energy elsewhere. And those two, they got a lot of the rebounds. So I think it has a lot to do with the, the lineup as well, because I don't think this will be their lineup all year. This is a weird Timberwolves team because off the bench, they just have like a bunch of misfits. Yeah. And they got this young lineup who Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell combined took almost 50 shots this night, which this, this is good for I, I think for Anthony Edwards, just so because it's going to help him progress. You know, he had a great night, 25 points, seven rebounds, three assists. Um, two for 10 from three, though, but he's not known to be the best shooter. And then yeah, Debo, what were we saying? The the confidence is what I'd like to see, is what I like to see. Yeah. Shooting the ball 10 times from three, especially coming off last year where the biggest gripe about him was he couldn't shoot. I'm glad that he's out there scoring. You know, the expectations are kind of low in Minnesota. No one's expecting them to go on a deep playoff run. The fact that they're three and one right now has the city on fire, probably. You know, D'Lo got off to kind of a shaky start in Minnesota the past year and a half. You know, last year was not his best year, and then COVID happened. So I think he only played like 10 games with him the year before that. But he had a great night. Scoring leader on the night, 29 points, uh, six assists, five rebounds, uh, three of 11 from three, 12 of 25 from the field. Typical D-Lo night, really, except yeah. he shot a little bit more. Yep. He went out, he rolled out of bed and got you 25 and yeah. then six, you know, pretty much that's what D-Lo does. Overall, this team played really well against Milwaukee. And for Milwaukee, Giannis put up 40 for them. Giannis had an amazing night, 15 of 23 from the field, 16 rebounds, seven assists, three blocks, seven of nine from um, free throw, and he was three from six from three. Hey, Giannis is shooting that thing. He's shooting that thing this year. He's not – he hasn't looked great, uh, but he definitely looks more comfortable. And I think you give him another year, and he's going to start striping them at about 38 40%, and that's kind of scary. But I think the biggest – takeaway 
on the Buck side is George Hill cannot start, and you guys are missing Drew Holiday terribly. Uh, George Hill, he doesn't do anything. You know, he's a good bench point guard. He can come in, lead your second unit. But defensively, he's just eh. Offensively, he doesn't bring much to the table anymore. Uh, Chris Middleton didn't have a good night at all. He was one of eight from three. So, I mean, that he struggled as well. You know, he hits a couple more of those threes. They probably walk out of this uh, with a win. But they they need Drew Holiday back. And, you know, this is nothing to worry about. They're three and two. They're going to get Drew Holiday back, and the Bucks are going to be the Bucks. They had an uncharacteristically bad shooting night from three. He only shot 28%. And they're missing Drew Holiday's defense. Yeah, honestly, we kind of saw this last year because they ended up winning a championship. Drew Holiday's the glue of that team. Yep. You no, know, we saw the years before they tried to do it with Eric Bledsoe, and it would just it backfire. But Drew Holiday, he came in and he's he really stepped up for this Milwaukee team. Yeah, Drew Holiday is he's you know Giannis. There's only so much you can do. He's you know seven eight and you know he's a point guard like be be lucky if he doesn't score 40 you know like him scoring 28 is no big deal that's you know that's pretty good you you held him to 28 that's a season average at least you didn't let him go out and get 50 (laughs) but it's just chris middleton drew holiday are more important to their success them having good games is more important than Giannis having good games because even in Giannis's bad games his bad games he scores 26 with 14 rebounds and six assists you know like it's but they need drew holiday and chris middleton for this team to go yeah i mean we've seen it like years prior the way to stop this milwaukee team is not getting the Giannis. it's getting the middleton and holiday you got to get to that supporting cast just because you Giannis is going to get what he gets, like you said. I mean, there's just no way around it. And I think Anthony Edwards said after the game, uh, it's impossible to stop him. We put four people on him, and he still scored. Yeah. So, hey, you know, Ant, even Ant knows. If Ant knows, the rest of the league knows. Anthony Edwards, that's – I'm you know, I'm glad the way he's panning out so far because me and you were both worried that he was going to end up like Andrew Wiggins just because we didn't know if he had that dedication. Yep. And then the other game that stood out to us for this week was Lakers Thunder. Oh my God. Let me become Stephen A. Smith real quick. Let's hear it. It's, Take away. it's pathetic excuse for a Los Angeles Lakers team. Let me tell you something. That's all I got, really. <laughs> this team, man, it's- the Lakers just are a band of misfit pieces garbage yard sale and want to be super friends veterans i mean yeah this team is all buddy buddy yeah but holy hell man well how how do you let how do you let okc come back like they did in the second half and win this game and then have the audacity to get mad at darius Baisley? for dunking the ball at the end of the game. You guys let him come back. Mm-hmm. It's it's not Darius's fault. I they know. have they have one win on the season. It's against y'all. I like SGA had a phenomenal game. 27 5 and 9. Uh Derek Favors was 7 of 8 from the field. He had 7 he had 15. 
They let Lou Dort score five of 12 from the field, had 17 with six rebounds. There's basically a 20-point shot, four of eight from three, and Anthony Davis was on him. What is that about? No, he's a defensive player of the year caliber type, but they, they let rookie Josh Giddy. I love this kid, by the way. Josh Giddy had 18 and 10. He rolled out of bed and got a double double on the Lakers, who are supposed to be a defensive super team. And they made a TikTok right after. This team doesn't fit together. It doesn't. They have no shooting. If they LeBron is the best three-point shooter on this team. Think about that for a second. No, nah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Carmelo has shown flashes of shooting good from three this year. Carmelo was eight in this game. But. Yeah, one of eight. And, and everyone's going to say, well, LeBron didn't play. They should not have to yeah. have LeBron James play to beat the oh, to beat the Thunder. They shouldn't need LeBron. They shouldn't need LeBron or Westbrook. Anthony Davis should be able to take his team by himself. Any one of those three should be able to take this team and lead them against OKC. This is, this is pathetic. Pathetic. This is the exact summation of their season thus far. They're underperforming and they don't fit together. You know, we talk about, you know, shooting on this team. One thing I just realized, Kendrick Nunn didn't even play in this game. Yeah. Kendrick Nunn signed like a multi-year deal with the Lakers. I know he's been injured, but I believe he's back to full health. Why are you not putting him on the court? I know he's a very streaky shooter, well, he's going to shoot better than Westbrook and Malik Monk. Yeah, and you have Malik Monk on the team, who, when he gets hot, sure, Malik Monk can go out there and score 30, easy. But the dude was a bench piece in Charlotte, and they didn't want him as the bench piece. What does that tell you? I, I Like, the Lakers are annoying me. I'm not a big LeBron fan. I don't like the Lakers in general. But I expect greatness from LeBron teams. Like, that's that's pretty much the standard at this point. I've seen LeBron take worse supporting cast and do better. So he has all of his friends. They're all buddy-buddy. They all buy into Frank Vogel's defensive scheme. And they're all, you know, the good defenders, supposedly. I mean, other than Melo. But, you know, you would think Melo playing with LeBron, he'd have a little pep in his step and play some defense. And they haven't shown it. They've been terrible. I mean, the Cavs look like they could beat them. And, you know, they look point, yeah, the Cavs look good. And the, the Lakers ended up pulling it out. But that game was close, way closer than it should have been. Uh, does this Lakers team, do they make the playoffs? Yeah, I'm not going to bet against any LeBron team making the playoffs, but I don't, I don't know who they beat right now. I don't know who they beat. You know, we've seen this before in Cleveland when Wade went there and there was Derrick Rose there at the time. Did we see a Westbrook trade at the deadline? Yeah, I actually think if Westbrook doesn't I, – I have faith that Westbrook will figure it out. Eventually, you know, he'll figure it out. Like he did in Houston. Eventually yeah. they said, all right, Westbrook, you are going to be a cutter. You know, that's pretty much what they said. And he did yeah. that, and he had one of the most efficient stretches of his career. And I actually think – I wish they would have kept him because I think he could have revived his career doing what he was doing in Houston. But um, he'll figure it out. I have faith in that. I think they'll, you know, they'll still end up being near the fourth or fifth seed in the West. But right now, they're they're one of the worst fit teams, and they are simply winning off of the talent they have. Yeah, I mean, you hit the you hit everything right there. But one team that is not fit well at all and not winning games is the LA Clippers, 
who Paul George against the Portland Trailblazers the other night put up 42 points, 15 of 24 from the field, which that's great shooting numbers for him from what we've seen from him before. And the final score of the game was 111 to 92, Portland winning. Yeah. What, what's going on here with the Clippers where your best player is scoring 42 and you're not even in the game? They got rid of the heart and soul. Patrick Beverly is the most missed man on the planet. No, I'm kidding. Uh, they miss Kawhi. I mean, we, re- you know, I think people started to realize how important Kawhi was towards the playoffs and how important it was for PG to play good. I don't think people realized how important those two together actually were because this team does not look good whatsoever. And like you said, PG scored 42 and they couldn't even hit 100. And it's against Portland. Portland is not good defensively. <laughs> so something's got to change. Something's got to give. And this is – if Paul George keeps this up, we might see, hey, Kawhi, I'm not waiting this out. Either you either get back soon or next year, I'm out of here. Yeah, I mean, this is – this is if out of the two L.A. teams – I would pick the Lakers to make the playoffs over the Clippers right now. And I actually think the Clippers have the better team overall, like in terms of bench, everything. But, yeah, this Clippers team is a mess. They just don't play well together. Some, I mean, someone's got to step up, you know. PG, we, I have faith that PG can lead a team. He's done it before. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, somebody. I thought he did a great job with the team in the playoffs when Kawhi went down. Yeah. But. So, I mean, Reggie, Reggie Jackson was huge in the playoffs, and he's yeah. been MIA thus far. Well, they've been starting Eric Bledsoe over him. It's kind of been like they, they keep flipping both of them out of the lineup. So I think you, you got to either roll of one or the other and then stick with it for a little while. I think you just got to have them both in there. I think you got to go Reggie Jackson, Bledsoe, Paul George, Batum, and Zubak, like, or mm-hmm. Winslow and Zubak. Like, you got to have your best players out there at this point. You, you wouldn't put Kennard out there for a shooting guard? Nah, I'd have Kennard be oh, yeah. running with Terrence Mann. But, I mean, they just need – they need all the help they can get right now. It's – um we'll check back, back in and out in a couple weeks. You know, I don't see this Clippers team making the playoffs right now, and it might be a long season for them. It might be. Why don't we check out the first week power rankings? These are – Bleacher Report's first week. The rest of them haven't come out since the time we're filming. At least I haven't been able to find them. I don't know about you. No. So um, I'm going to go through 10 through 1, and then we're going to go backwards 11 through 30 to see if any teams stand out from there. You know what I mean? Yep. All right. So number 10, Brooklyn Nets. Uh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I would put them 10. You know, I'm not going to stress too much about a two and three start. They have Kevin Durant and James Harden still, and we'll touch on James Harden a little bit later. But KD is KD, and he's done – he has done more with less, so. Yeah, they they fell from two from the starting of the season. And really, it's just – this team's just got to gel together because – yeah, I mean, they're missing Kyrie, but Patty Mills is in there now, who I think's played great. 
just give a little bit of time and they'll be back to their winning ways. Yeah, they're going to be three or two by the end of next week. Number nine, Denver Nuggets. Uh, previous rank was seven. I agree with this. I think they're around nine. Uh, Jokic looks really good. Uh, he hasn't been as aggressive as I want, which has always been a complaint with me his entire career. He's not as aggressive as I want taking over the game. But I think they're not higher right now, and they're not coming out of the gate as strong because MPJ is not playing well whatsoever. And I think once he gets going, this team is just going to hit their stride. Yeah, I would say Jokic is playing great, like you said. Supporting cast, Eric Gordon playing well. But other than that, the guards have been playing well, and so neither of the shooters. Aaron Gordon got traded there last year, and I remember you saying it. That was a big trade for Aaron Gordon for his career. Yep, he looks so much better. Just not having any offensive responsibilities whatsoever other than being a cutter and a spot-up shooter, and he's doing well. You know, good for him because usually, you know, when I watched him in Orlando, all I could think about was him being able to dunk. Yeah. They they tried to ask a lot out of him, and it just – it was too much for him. Yep. But um, the number eight team, this team took a – 10 spot jump charlotte hornets yeah uh charlotte i'm gonna another hot take you know we do one like every week it seems like i'm going to say they don't fall any lower than 15th the rest of the season okay i i'm a believer in this team mainly because of a player we'll talk about just a little bit later miles bridges um he is balling he is he's taking the next step and LaMelo Ball might already be a top 10-point guard in the league. Like, at this point, he's that special passing the ball. So, and Gordon Hayward continues to play well. They're missing uh, Terry Rozier still. And P.J. Washington's a good player. They have really good players. I mean, LaMelo Ball is the, the engine that makes this thing work, and Michael Jordan lucked into him. But, man, he has he has put this team on the fast track. You know, I I'm impressed with the Charlotte team just because – we saw them, I want to say, finish 10 or 9 last year. And they've all shown, like, all the young guys have shown they're they're going to take the next step. Yep. I've been really impressed with them. And then I do think they, the East is going to be tough for them this year, though. You know, we saw Miami kind of figure them out. They're going to have some tough tasks. But I think they might be able to finish 4 or 5 if everything plays right. Yeah, I, I really like Charlotte. I think they're just going to continue to get better. And I think when Terry Rozier comes back, him coming off the bench or if they start him, his scoring is is going to make this team even better. And then number seven, this one I think is kind of low, Chicago Bulls. Uh, You know, we love the number seven. I always get the number seven draft pick three years in a row. No, I actually think this is kind of high. Um, Really? We, we beat the teams we beat. You know, you can't – we beat the Pistons twice. You can't – you can only beat the people that are in front of you. And we played we played the Knicks super close. We came back, showed a lot of heart. But the offense has not blown me away. Like, it's been pretty much what I expected. They're a new team. They're gelling. But it's been a lot of, like, just isolation. Like, everyone takes their turn scoring five or ten points at a time. Uh, the defense obviously has been a shock to everybody. No one expected this team to be that great defensively. I was higher on hit on them than most people because I'm a fan, of course. But I didn't think we'll be. I didn't think we'd be terrible like people were expecting. But a top five defense at this point, I was not 
that was nowhere near my expectations. But Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball are amazing. So is Javante Green. So I think I think the Bulls at seven right now makes sense. But I I don't know. I don't know where to be with this team. Early seven is fine. Right in front of them, New York Knicks at number six. I agree with this. The Knicks, they they've balled out. I actually think they could be around three. Actually, I would you know I think they're a top three team in the NBA at in the first week. They've played great. Just had a big win against the Bulls. There's not much to say about them. I think Tibbs is doing a great job there in New York. It's it's a long time coming for this Knicks team because yeah. it was about what seven years of torture. Yeah, it's about time they start getting things together, but. We, I don't know how big this championship window is. Uh, they're going to go as Julius Randle goes because they don't have another star. I think R.J. Bayard's getting there. He can get there yeah. maybe in the next year or two. But unless he develops into another star caliber player, they're going to just go as, RJ, or as Julius Randle goes. And then number five, Golden State Warriors. Y'all forgot. Y'all forgot about the baby-faced assassin, about Mr. Lightskin, about 30. They they forgot about the chef. He did this last year. He's just reminding y'all. He's just reminding y'all. That's all he's doing. He's got he's actually got some bench players this year. Jordan Poole's playing okay. <laughs> Draymond's healthy. They're getting clay back soon. Hey man. Back. Hey. Hey, Golden State's serious, y'all. They're serious. Don't forget about them. Would you say he's front runner for MVP so far? Yes. Steph Curry would definitely be my front runner for MVP. I I'm just happy that this team's getting taken seriously because I think Steph Curry got a lot of disrespects saying like he's not as good as he is when KD came and took over the team. Steph Curry took a back seat and was like, all right, I'll I'll just be a spot up shooter. I mean, it's it's KD, you know. You're talking yeah. about maybe, like, the top three greatest scorer of all time, yeah. maybe the biggest mismatch in NBA history. I mean, like, okay, cool. Like, he could take over. That's yeah. fine. But um, where? how do you think Clay's going to do when he comes back? Um, I think he'll hit the ground running. You know, Achilles injury, ACL injury, it's not going to affect him much. He's not very – he's not an explosive athlete anyway. It's going to get, take him some time to get his defensive legs under him. I think he'll struggle defensively for a little bit until he gets used to game speed again. But I think he'll hit the ground running shooting. I mean, we've seen him score 60 points with, like, three dribbles. So, <laughs> You know, basketball's better when he's uh, – it really, it really is. is. And then number four, the Atlanta Hawks. I still don't know how I feel about Atlanta. Um I like them at four here because they've played well to start the season. Trey Young looks really good. John Collins is jumping out of arenas. That dude has crazy hops. Uh, Clint, Clint Capella is playing well. And Cam Reddish off the bench. Never thought I'd see this dude develop. He has finally done something with his basketball talents. Been he's some at, high school. Yeah, and he's putting something together. He has he's putting something together. He's averaging 16.2 points and he's shooting 44% from three-point line and he's playing good defense. So um this Atlanta team is gonna be good. I just I wonder if they if they can keep it up defensively 
or they're going to end up having to just outscore people all the time. That's really my only question I have with them. Yeah, that's really what we saw last year is they had to outscore because, you know, their guards are not really defensive. I mean, um, we were just talking about, I don't know why he just lost my, oh my God. Who'd you just, who'd you just mention? Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish. Yeah. I, I mean, I forgot about him so much that like I, but um, really that's really, he. I know he plays shooting guard. That's the only defensive guard they really have. Yeah. They got DeAndre Hunter. They got some good wing defenders, um, but they don't really have a point of attack defender. And I think yeah. the bulls are the great, like the best team to show how important that is. Lonzo and Alex Caruso have transformed that defense being point of attack defenders and being the guys that are, you know, guarding the pick and roll in the NBA is so much of pick and roll. I mean, it's pretty much all it is. So, I mean, we'll see. The Hawks are going to score with the best of them. And if Cam Reddish is legit off the bench, his team will just get even better. But I'm, I'm not completely sold on him yet. I was just about to say that. I was like, I was going to say there's been ups, there's been downs. And I feel like four is a little high for him just because of what the caliber of teams behind them were. I feel like the Knicks have been better than them and Golden State. I do believe they should be higher than Atlanta, but it is only week one so far. And then number three, defending champs, Milwaukee Bucks. They're not one because they don't have Drew Holiday. This, I mean, is that pretty much what you what you yeah. 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 They're they're not one be, and it'll make sense for number two and one. Number two is Miami. You know, they uh-huh. they beat they blew out Milwaukee. And that honestly, that's just because Drew Holiday wasn't in the game. Clamp City over there, Miami. Eric Spolstra has got himself a team. Jimmy Butler is he's you know, he's not black air force energy. He's kind of like classy black air force energy, you know? Like this whole team radiates that like and grind. Yeah, they're just very tough minded individuals you know they just they get after it they're grinders like this i know it's cliche to say but it really is how they play yeah just for 48 minutes they put full pressure on you to not make a mistake if you make a mistake they are going to capitalize it's the the best defensive team in the league thus far yeah they shine defensively and We'll talk about Tyler Hero later. He's been a bright spot. I will say I haven't been sold on Kyle Lowry so far as an offensive player. You know, he has not hit double digits a lot this season. I think he's just trying to find his legs. Yeah. You know, he's just he's figuring out how he's going to play with everybody else. But the biggest addition for me was the vet men deal of P.J. Tucker. This man is will guard whoever they need him to. And they don't care what he does on the offensive end. Yeah, pretty much just hit two or three corner threes and we're happy. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited to see how they develop because, you know, a couple of years ago, I didn't expect them to take the step that they did. And then last season, I just think they were so fatigued from the bubble and not having a long off season. They traded for the players and they just couldn't gel in time. Yeah. But this team could make a run for – They've beaten the Nets. They've beaten Milwaukee. I think they can beat Philly. They could be a top three team easily, I think, in the East. I think I had them at three in our 
our playoff predictions, uh, three or four. But yeah, this team is absolutely legit. Legit, they're one of the teams to beat. Um, and I'm scared of. I'm scared for the teams that play them. Like it, it feels like you go to Miami and get robbed. Like you get robbed of your dignity a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you can put it like that. And then number one, Utah Jazz. Ladies and gentlemen. Rudy Gobert has figured out how to score a basketball. I want to say he's averaging like 15 points a game right now. Like this dude, I think he had 23 the last night. I think he, I think he was their leading scorer. Yeah. I mean, he was always, he was always averaging like 14, but Rudy Gobert, my boy, thank you for showing up early in the season as Donovan Mitchell starts off to a slow, starts off slow. Uh, this this team good defensively. They they're just solid. I feel like the the Jazz are one of the most balanced teams in the NBA. They're not very exciting, but they just they're well coached. They know what to do. They're really good at setting their offense up, and they're really good defensively. So they're just steady. They're just steady. They they just they've played so many years together now. That core to where like they know the the chemistry is so amazing there and. Like we said, Rudy Gobert just took that next step for offensively. If he keeps it up, we'll see why he's worth $200 million. I don't realize – I don't think people realize how important this is that Rudy Gobert just learned how to score. I mean, I would love to see him add a jump shot. Just, like, I know he's not going to. He doesn't need to. No, he like, doesn't need to, but – I would love to see him average, like, 16 to 18 points a game consistently. That would make my my year because you know how I feel about Rudy Gobert. Two hundred million to play defense is outrageous. And then we'll look at a couple teams that are on the outside. We got Philly at eleven. You find you think too high, too low? I think they're right where they need to be. Um, you can't, you know, obviously the power rankings aren't going to make too drastic of jumps this early just because it's only one week. So, yeah, they've played slow. It is what it is. Uh, this next one, the Lakers at 12. Oh, high. Uh, high. I will say this is high. I do think they should be lower just because, it. I like I just said, it's early, but it's how bad they have looked early. Like their competition they've played. Yes. L.A. or Philly at 11 makes sense. They've slipped. They've started slow, but they still look like Philly. They just have, you know, rough shooting nights. But L.A. just looks horrendous. And then Memphis 13. Uh, I think they should definitely be above the Lakers. But I, I like where they're at. I think, you know, they, they're on the cusp. John Morant, we'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, yeah, he's – this team is legit. And then next team is Washington Wizards, which we'll get in later about them. I actually thought they should have been a top 10 team. I'm not going to lie. They have played well. They've played extremely well. And then 15 Mavs. Yeah, middle of the pack. 16 Timberwolves. At three and one. Yes, sir. And then 17 Portland. Uh, yeah, I could see it. Yeah, all these teams are just middle of the pack. I think the uh, the next one that shocks me. That is a little low to me. A little low is Phoenix. Phoenix at 20. Like, yeah. if we're going to put the Lakers at 12, 
right? Like Phoenix, they just went to the finals. They're a little hungover right now. They're they're one in three. Devin Booker and Chris Paul are too good of guards to allow this to, to continue. 20 is way too low. I mean, if you're going to put the Lakers at 12, Phoenix does not deserve to be 20. I agree. I mean, Phoenix, they beat the Lakers. That's their only win so far. And they were, the Lakers did almost come back, but it was a blowout win for Phoenix most of the game. I think, like you said, it's a little bit of finals hangover. They'll get through it. I mean, we've seen it happen before. It happens like almost every year. Yeah. And then really that close out the everywhere else. I feel like it's normal for the spots for me, at least. I don't know if you saw anything where like that stood out to you. That was too high or too low. Uh, I actually think, um, I think the Spurs, since we won't talk about them in teams to watch, I think the Spurs are a team to watch and we won't talk about them much, but I just wanted to put this out here um, at 25. They're right where they should be at one and four, but Watch out for this team. I'm just going to put that out there. We're not going to talk about them in teams Never to watch. Out Pop. But, yeah, a Greg Popovich team with DeJounte Murray and Derek White at guard, very steady. They're almost like a college team. Like, this is a college basketball team that, you know, it's the senior team that happens every year. They all are 50-year seniors. They go March Madness. And it's like they're just very steady. I think this is going to be what this Spurs team is. I just – Keep a lookout for them. They're better than their one in four record shows. And then out of the first week, any players that have stood out to you? Uh, Luca. Luca's played like trash. He's been awful. Um, Luca Doncic, his first five games of the season, he's shooting forty-two percent from the field, twenty-six percent from three. 77% from the free throw line, so that's good. And um, he's averaging 22 points a game, seven assists, nine rebounds. He, he just – this whole Dallas team just looks bad. Like, English. they just don't look good, man. And Luca, especially. As the leader, he has, to, he has to step up. I'm tired of him being the same type of player. You know I'm a huge Luca fan, but it yeah. feels like this is going to be the same type of season for him. And I'm ready to see him take that next step. And speaking of a guy who has taken the next step, my next player to watch would be John Morant. Memphis is not a city that anyone, you know, unless you're from the South, not, no one really knows anything about Memphis. But let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this man, John Morant, he's that dude. He's, he's balling. He's shooting 54% from the field. 41% from three. He figured out how to shoot. Uh-oh. 84% from the from free throw line. He's averaging 30 points a game. Two steals, eight assists, five rebounds. He is averaging five turnovers, but that'll get down. And he's playing 36 minutes a game. He is balling. He's a big reason Memphis has started the season off so well. They should have beat the Lakers. He, he scored 40 points against the Lakers, had 10 assists. Should have beat them. Is unfortunate that they lost. But John Morant is he's he's ascended. He is no longer. Do not collect him with the young players to to watch. This guy is the superstar. He is a superstar. He should be collected with the superstars. Yeah, I mean, 
we've said for a while now he's going to take that next step. He's taking that next step and then some. Like you said, yes. no one no one expected him to learn how to shoot this quick. You know, usually with players like him, they hit in the back half of their career, they're like, all right, I'm going to need to learn how to shoot before I before I get out of the league. He learned now, and this, this could be deadly. If Memphis can get one more piece, one more piece, I think they could be a legitimate threat. Uh, yeah, Jaron Jackson is a great defender. I don't think he'll ever be much of a scorer. I think he'll give you 15 or 15 to 16. He'll be a nice third option, but they definitely need the second guy that can take the pressure off Morant to score so much because what this looks like to me is Derrick Rose. This looks like a Derrick Rose situation. They're asking him to go out there and do everything offensively for them, and they're just going to hope that their defense and the pieces they have around him do enough. And I don't want to see that happen to him because I just – there's not many guards that are built to, to play like him mm-hmm. and put so much pressure on themselves to lead their team offensively. But right now, he's having a Derrick Rose-type MVP season. Yeah. I mean, he stepped up in some of the biggest games we saw against Golden State. Are there uh, any teams that stood out to you? Um, the Bulls. The Bulls are a team to watch. They're also the team that stood out to me. As a Bulls fan, this is pretty much best case scenario. I would have loved to see us beat New York, but like I said, we showed some guts. Uh, we came back and again, that was a game last year where we were, if we were down that much, they would have folded. So I was so happy to see that they, they, they fought back. But they're a team to watch because uh, in their next half of their schedule, I don't know if you've looked at their schedule, but it's, it's pretty intense. They've got Utah tonight. They've got Boston, Philly back-to-back, Brooklyn, Dallas, Golden State, the Clippers, the Lakers, Portland, Denver, and the New York finish it off the stretch. So this is this is trial by fire. We're gonna figure out what this Bulls team is made of very very quickly. Um, defensively, they've been great. This stretch is gonna be important for their offense. The defense, I, I think it's legit. I I think they're gonna obviously it's not gonna be as good as it's been. Like they're gonna lose a step or two in these next couple games. But um, they need to figure out how to gel offensively. So that's why they're a team to watch to me. We could have a total flip around next week on these Bulls, depending on how they – Exactly. Yeah. We, we've we seen it before, but yep. I think uh, I think it, they'll do good on this test. I mean, how many how many games did you read off? That was 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 in the stretch. So that's 12 games by November 21st. That you is there. Wait, eight and four in those? Oh yeah, I would be ecstatic yeah. with that. Eight and four, I that's I would say, I, say that's the ceiling. When the floor, maybe five and seven. I would like to see them finish five hundred out of this stretch. They're four and right, four and one right now. If they got out of this stretch five hundred, because you know you got to remember they're a brand new team. They they got to figure out their offense, gel. You know, figure out what they're going to do with that. And I would say if they finished five hundred and their defense held up and they were still a top 12, 13 team defensively, I would have a lot of faith for the rest of the season. Now, if they go out here and just bomb and it looks awful, then it's it's not looking good. It's a no-go. But yeah. my player to watch 
is kind of he's I'm winning six man of the year this year. My my Miami Heat guy, Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero in first games, first game 27, next game 30. Then a little bit of downslide, 13-14, but he didn't play as many minutes. And then 26 last night against Charlotte. This dude is scoring at all levels so far, and he's doing it efficiently. 46 from the field, 37 from three, and he's getting four assists tonight. He's really leading the second group, and he's doing a terrific job. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Hero's been balling, man. Sixth man of the year for sure. Uh, he's definitely a candidate. Um, he's been instrumental for the Heat thus far because, like you said, Kyle Lowry hasn't found his footing offensively yet. Yeah, and we've seen Hero come down the stretch and make some clutch shots. He's made clutch shots before, but a lot of people are worried how he looked after that second year. He took a step back, but I think it's okay just because we've seen players do that before, sophomore slumps. But most importantly, I think it's just because, you know, he's coming out of the bubble and he didn't really have a full offseason before. You know, that yeah. rookie offseason, that or rookie to second year offseason, that's a big progressive or progression era, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's, you know, it's a very instrumental part of a player developing because, you know, rookie year they flash and they have a good year, and then, you know, they got to build off that. So, like you said, he didn't really have that. Also, it was a weird year anyway, like just the whole restart and everything. Like, it was just weird. So, I don't put Tyler Hero at fault for last year at all, really. And then we said earlier, Miles Bridges, man. I'm going to read off the points in all the games so far. 30, 32, 25, 31, 22. This man is unstoppable. Yeah, he's he's figured out how to score. He showed it a little bit last year. He was a pretty good player for them. I didn't see this. I did not see him becoming the the second option. Yeah, no. Efficient. Like he's he's all-star candidate currently. I didn't see that. 50% from the field so far, 36 from three as a power forward. And not just any power forward. He's not a stretch forward. You know what I mean? Yeah. Him shooting 36%, I think, is really impressive for someone his size. And he definitely, like, he, he's so explosive as well. He's, like, this is almost like Aaron Gordon. Like, at, like, at this point, it's like Aaron Gordon better offensively. I, he's, I think he's worse defensively for sure than Aaron Gordon. But his offense is legit. And I think LaMelo helps with that. LaMelo and him have connected for some crazy plays all of last season and so far this season. I think these two are well fit for each other. I think they complement their games very well. Yeah, I think just Charlotte playing fast helps them so much because LaMelo and Lonzo, but LaMelo definitely, they're just such gifted passers in the open court and in transition. They're just special. That's what makes them special. And then my team to watch, we talked about a little bit earlier, the Washington Wizards. Right now, they're 4-1. and one. Their only loss is to Brooklyn, but they've beaten teams like Toronto, Indiana, Boston, and Atlanta. Three or four of those teams are playoff teams. Yeah. Uh, 
I said it last year. I've been saying it for a while. Bradley Beal is my number one trade target in the NBA. I said, if any team could go get him, get him. Maybe no one's going to get him. This team's playing well. And I know you said uh, you talked about Kyle Kuzma before he came on. What's he What's he doing? Kyle Kuzma was actually playing basketball at an efficient level f- for his standards. Uh, yeah, for NBA standards, too. Uh, 15 points a game, 34 minutes, 10 rebounds, one assist, one steal, two turnovers. This is a big step for him. Yeah. We saw him hit rock bottom the past two seasons, I think, and we saw him on L.A. like, oh, he's getting traded at the deadline both years, and they kept with him, and this year he could be making that next step. I think just the pressure being gone is helping him so much. And this, you know, this Wizards team's got some players on it, man. Corey Kispert from Gonzaga, he hasn't played much. Um, Davis Bertans, of course, Aaron Holiday off the bench. They have a decent bench, nothing crazy. Um, but KCP, Bradley Beal, Spencer Dinwiddie, Montrez Harrell, and, and a new and improved Kuzma. I mean, this team is – it's okay. If Bradley Beal is going to continue to play as a superstar and Dinwiddie plays pretty good, I mean, this is a, this could be legit. Did, did the Wizards win the trade with the Lakers? They, they may have. They may have. I mean, I like Westbrook, but Lakers gave up a lot for him. Yeah. They gave up the whole bench. I mean, Harrell, he's he's a motor player, but he's he'll fit in good in Washington. Him and Bertans, that's a good combo. And then Kuzma, I think it's, like you said, the pressure is off him. Spencer Dinwiddie, we've known, has been a tremendous point guard in the past. It's just him putting together the pieces now. Yep. And I think, Denny, they've got Denny off the bench. He'll continue to develop a little bit. Yeah. But, I think yeah. the team can – they could, I say, succeed in the playoffs. Yeah, I think the East is going to be a lot harder than people expect. Yeah. Speaking of which, um, just a quick update since we said they're a team to watch. Currently, with 20.6 seconds left, it is double overtime. The Wizards lead 115 to 112 over the Boston Celtics. I mean, that's a team you need to beat to get in there. Boston's always a team in the playoffs. Yep. We could see a swing of things. Just like we saw a swing of things from the calls the refs are given in the NBA right now. Yes, this is a special segment that we're going to start doing, hopefully weekly. We're going to call it the NBA soap opera. The NBA is probably the most drama-filled sport ever. It's like reality TV for men. There's just so much drama and so much BS that goes on in the NBA. So much flopping, so much dramatics. This this is the perfect starting episode. Trey Young, he started complaining that – elite scores like himself and James Harden and I, I think he mentioned someone else I think he mentioned Dame but Dame has just not been scoring because he's not been shooting well he actually shot well against the Clippers and they blew him out so <laughs> um he's been complaining really about him and James Harden not getting the calls from the NBA rule change that stops people from hunting for fouls um my personal opinion on the change it has made basketball so much fun more fun to watch the games flow so much better. They're not stopping every 15 seconds. 
there's legitimate contact that's called as fouls. This it's just so much better. Watching James Harden play basketball is boring. Before this season, it was terrible. He was the worst player to watch in the NBA. If you watch James Harden play basketball, it was not fun at all. So I'm very happy with the change. I think it's making people legitimately do moves to score the basketball. They can't just get people up in the air and jump. So I don't really see a problem with it. But I think Trey Young, you know, don't complain. Just come, you know, just comply, figure it out. It's not, you know, it's not going to affect you if you're an elite scorer. And Trey Young, I feel like, is an elite scorer. I feel like he's complaining for no reason. Yeah, I mean, they knew coming into the year that this was not going to – like, this was implemented right when the finals ended. Yep. Said we're making this rule change. And James Harden used to go to the line, like, 15 free throws a night. Yep. That is way too much for any player, I feel like. Especially a guard. Yeah. I I think Giannis gets a lot of calls his way, but even then, he's not averaging 15 free throws a night. I just think it adds another level of how am I going to have to score? How am I going to have to beat my defender? And, yeah, we've seen it done in the past where, like, these – where players have thrived with the call of them getting the defender to bite midair and then bumping into him. Dwayne Wade was perfect at it. Dwayne yeah. Wade used to do it all the time. But we're in a different age where the NBA got a lot less physical. Yes. And I think that's kind of the result of this rule, I'd say. Like, this rule is kind of letting – it's letting defenders defend. Yeah, that's exactly what I think it is. I think it's it's making offensive players actually play offense. Like, just hunting for fouls is not good for business. This is, at the core, it's having James Harden shoot 20 free throws a game is bad for business. It slows the game down. Everyone already complains about the last two minutes of basketball games. They take forever. Yeah. So, I just, there's no reason to complain about this rule. I think it's a great rule. The fans think it's a great rule. If you're going to complain that you haven't been getting calls in the past, then there's always players that are going to complain because then you have the whole stipulation about superstar calls you know some players get calls that other players don't get some players get leeway that other players don't get this is just a it's a slippery slope i feel like just this rule change is good it's a good rule change and i i enjoy it i think all the fans enjoy it and i just i don't think it's that big of a deal to trey young and james harden they're elite scorers i'm sure they're gonna figure something out i think james harden just last night actually yeah he shot like 19 free throws or something yeah like you know we'll see where this goes i mean i'm sure by next week more players will complain just because a lot of players complain in the nba some more drama filled stories that we could see that lakers team falling apart i already saw one fight on the bench more Ben Simmons news. I mean, <laughs> that is that's the uh, season finale. Yeah. That's... But anything else you'd like to add for the first segment of NBA soap operas? No, just the typical players complaining to complain. I feel like you know it's a good rule change. Let's just let's just keep it moving. Let's keep moving, and we're switching over to the NFL. You know, Thursday night was. Another competitive game, Green Bay, Arizona, and Green Bay did it. They took He's down. a bad man. 
They took them down. Seven and O Arizona Cardinals. They hosted the six and one Green Bay Packers at home. Green Bay was down their top three wide receivers. Aaron Rodgers said, I have Randall Cobb and I have Aaron Jones. That's all I need. And they won 24 to 21 in a very exciting game. It was very back and forth. Um, I'll read off some Green Bay stats for you. Aaron Rodgers was 22 of 37, 184 yards, two touchdowns, uh, 75.9 QBR rating, 90.4 rating. It looks a lot worse than it was because in the second half, he had 120 yards and both of his touchdowns. So the first half was rough. The second half, he figured it out. A.J. Dillon, 16 carries, 78 yards. Aaron Jones, 15 carries for 59 yards and a touchdown. Aaron Jones had he led the league in, or led the team in receiving seven receptions, 51 yards receiving. And Randall Cobb, Randall Cobb with a Jordan Howard special, three catches, 15 yards, and two touchdowns. And Rasul Douglas, who iced the game on a pick, whether it should have been a pick or not, it is only AJ Green knows. Yeah. Only AJ Green knows. But he also added nine tackles and two pass deflections. So great game for Rasul Douglas. I, I think uh, a lot of this credit goes to the defense as well for this Green Bay win. They yeah. held Arizona to 21 points, which doesn't happen a lot. This is a high-powered offense. And Rodgers stepped up big time, especially Randall Cobb. And I do think – does this make them the best team in the NFC? Mm. I wouldn't put them there yet. I, I think I think the Rams and the Bucks are still the best two yeah. teams, but I would say that the Packers and Packers might be three. The Cardinals, Kyler Murray had two interceptions, man. One of them was not his fault. AJ Green. Yeah, but is he the first option on that play? Uh it looked like it. Was it? I mean, he I pretty he pretty much threw it up to him. And I yeah. just feel like AJ Green just didn't turn around. Yeah, I'm wondering if it was was it supposed to be a fade or that's what I was thinking. I think what was supposed to happen it was supposed to be a little comeback. I think AJ Green was supposed to stop, turn around, box him out. Uh, and he just he didn't turn around. He just yeah. kept running the route. I do. Um, I don't think Kyler Murray played well at all. The two hundred seventy-five yards, I think, is a little inflated, or two hundred seventy-four yards is a little inflated from what the last drive is from. The last drive, he passes way down the whole way for the team. Yeah, and let's, let's let's talk about the draft before where they're in the red zone and they got stuffed at the line yeah. three straight times and did not score. They probably wouldn't win the game if they score on that possession right there. And it was just another fault from Arizona. Like, this game was just not good for them. I mean, it happens. They're undefeated. No one thought they were going to go undefeated this season. So it's better to get it out of the way now than be like 11 or 12 and 0 and have the pressure. But, yeah, just an all-around – Lucky game from Arizona. But what I was saying, this this is not a top MVP performance from Kyler Murray. They just put out the odds saying he's the favorite. Yeah, this was not good. Because Green Bay's not that great of a defense. Nope. I mean, put my boy Derek Henry up there. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but some stats for Arizona. He, we read off Kyler's. The run game – non-existent really chase Edmonds seven carries 30 yards connor five of 22 kyler murray six of 21 
DeAndre Hopkins went out in this game. He's had a hamstring. I don't know if he pulled it or he had a hamstring issue for most of the week. Yeah. I, I didn't know if he was going to play or not. And he ended up aggravating it in the third yeah. quarter or fourth quarter. He had two catches on two targets, 66 yards. That, I mean, nothing that's great for two catches. Yeah. A- <laughs> yeah. A.J. Green, solid night besides the mistake, 5 of 50. Christian Kirk, 4 of 46. Zach Ertz, 4 of 42, which he has looked really good in this offense. Yes, he has. It just goes to show that Jalen Hurts is where all offensive production from receivers and tight ends goes to die. The dude can't play quarterback, and Zach Ertz is showing it. I mean, he didn't look like prime Zach Ertz, but the dude looks like he's a good tight end. I mean, he can go out there and still play. I I thought Zach Ertz was getting traded in the offseason. I do think this is a big step for him and for the team in general because – they had Max Crosby before. Max Williams. Or Max, I'm sorry, Max Williams. This is a big step up. Yeah. I know that it might be a rental deal, but you never know. If he might fall in love with Arizona, he might take a pay cut. Yeah. And then another big loss for Arizona coming into the game was J.J. Watt's season-ending injury again. Yeah, I mean, at this point, you got to feel for J.J. Watt. He's just injuries have derailed his career, and it's just crazy the numbers he's put up in his career and to know how many more games he could have played. Um, but, yeah, huge loss. He was, a, he was a catalyst for why this defense was turned around as well as they have, and it'll be interesting to see how they fill his shoes and how, how the defense plays from here on out. It's going to be big time on Zach Allen now to, to be, be a very good player. Cardinals got, I think, at 49ers next week. Green Bay, they get at Chiefs. Uh, I think the Cardinals are on a bye. I'm sorry, their next game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, divisional games are tough. You never know. We'll see if they were pretenders for the first seven weeks or can they keep it up? Speaking of pretenders, um, I guess – Kansas City is pretending to not know how to play football anymore. Um, big news note that we're going to have here and that we wrote down, it, can Kansas City figure it out, Tommy? Can they figure it out? I, offensively, maybe. Defensively, no. Um, this, this team's a train wreck defensively. Let's let's just let's let's just say what it is. They started the season off 33-29 victory against the Browns. Pretty normal. They lost to the Ravens in a heartbreak. They lost to the Chargers. They beat the Eagles, but still gave up 30 points, even, even though they were garbage time. Then they lost to the Bills. They got it put on them. They beat Washington, but that's not much of an accomplishment. And then they got manhandled. I mean manhandled by Tennessee. They did not look like they were in the same league at any point in this game. I'm I'm here to say, as a Patrick Mahomes fan, not as much as I was, but still am, he's doing too much. I, I know that the defense is atrocious, and he has to make up for that. But he, him right now, he's in the slump. And it happens to every quarterback. So let's not go out here and act like it doesn't. It happens to every quarterback. They hit the slump in their career. And it's kind of crazy that he's hit a slump and he's still got 18 touchdowns to nine interceptions, but he has not looked good. 
he looked awful against Tennessee. This team is just just not good. They're not in a good spot at three and four with as bad as their defense is. Like you said, they're going to figure it out offensively. Even if Patrick Mahomes, this is his down season, they should still be good. But defensively, they can't stop anybody. They cannot stop anybody. And you know what? I, they kind of did it to themselves because they spent a lot of money on this offense. And next year, Tyron Matthew is a free agent, and he said he wants to get paid. Yeah, and they spent a lot of money on the offensive line, which was needed. And they did spend a decent amount of money on the defense, but they just, like, it's going to be hard. Obviously, they're cap wizards. They can figure it out. I mean, they figured out how to play Kelsey and Hill. Um, But next year, they can't move that Patrick Mahomes cap. That cap hit is there, and it is massive, and it's going to hamstring them next year. I think this is going to be not a rebuild, but this is going to be a retool for a couple years in Kansas City until they can kind of, you know, get their team back on the right track talent-wise. Cap hits there. Eventually, they'll be able to move it around, you know, do what all good GMs are, you know, do some voided money, voidable years, do whatever, you know, pay it in the back end. They'll figure it out how yeah. to lessen Patrick Mahomes' cap hit. But next year, it is going to be a rough season for Kansas City. And I'm looking at their remaining schedule. They, they had the Giants this week, and then they have the Packers next week. And then they have Raiders, Cowboys, Broncos, Raiders, Chargers, Steelers, Bengals, Broncos. They they got they got to beat the Broncos both times. Yeah, they got to take one from the Raiders. They got to beat the Chargers. Uh, yeah, I mean to make the playoffs, this team is gonna have to hit high gear, and I just don't see their defense allowing them to do that. Neither do I. I think this defense was never really that good, but they always got by because no one could figure out the offense. Yep. Now both both sides of the ball is figured out. And who knows? We might see them end up only 500. Speaking of a team that looked like they're going to end up 500 but have hit the the turbo, uh, the Tennessee Titans, led by Derrick Henry, who should be an MVP candidate. Um, this team, like I just said, manhandled Kansas City, absolutely destroyed them. Um, but defensively, this team has shown up. Uh, they, th- the Bills put up 34 on them, but the end of the game, that defense showed up. They stopped Buffalo. They got a big win. And then last week, just dismantled Kansas City. So the defense, they're 5-2. and two. They're, It's looking on to come up. Bud Dupree finally had an impact game. And the offense, A.J. Brown has figured it out. He's finally healthy. He looks good. Sadly, I think Julio is – I don't think they can expect much from Julio this season. He's going to just continue to get hamstring injuries, and it's just sad. I feel like their best course of action would to be shut shut him down, just let him get healthy, hopefully have him for the playoffs. But A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill is all you need when Derrick Henry's running for 200 yards again. You know, I it's very sad seeing Julio, how he is. I just – he's deteriorating every every week even though it screwed me over last year in fantasy. I still hate to see it. But this Tennessee Titans team doesn't need them, I think. Yeah. As long as you have a healthy A.J. Brown, like you said, 
and Derrick Henry running the ball, who's stopping Derrick Henry the rest of the way? I mean, you can't sell out to stop Derrick Henry because A.J. Brown is going to beat you. He's, he's just that talented. And we saw Tannehill with an early season slump. Really, he's doing what they need him to do. He's not going above and beyond. He's, I, I won't say game managing, but it's a little bit like that. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was getting sacked relentlessly early yeah. in the season. The offensive line, even though they continue to have injuries every week, it seems like. Um, they're stepping up. He's gonna he's gonna hit his stride here soon. The, the I think the slump is over for him, and the defense has played pretty well. Surprisingly, I this defense has been a surprise to me the last couple games, and I think they can keep it up. Harold Landry's having a hell of a season. He's got seven and a half sacks already. So, yeah, Tennessee is definitely on the they're on the up and up. They're I think they're easily gonna win the AFC South. Someone else who's been on the up and up is from the AFC North, and it's not who everyone expected it's going to be. It ended up being the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals. The Bengals, them Tigers. Joe Burrow is playing amazing. This offense is hitting strides like they were expecting to a couple of years from now. I don't think everyone thought this offensive line would hold up. It's still not looking great, but it's serviceable. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is that the offensive line is serviceable and they've kind of gotten away from the run game. Like Joe Mixon is not running the ball as much as everyone thought he would, but Joe Burrow is airing it out and Jamar Chase is catching most of it. Yeah. Um, Jamar Chase has 754 yards on the season. He's got six touchdowns. He's averaging 107 or 108 yards a game, 267 yards after the catch. Uh, he just destroyed Marlon Humphrey, and Marlon Humphrey is an elite corner. Yeah. So, yeah, this Bengals team, they are – they're playing great. And the defense, you know, we've talked about the defense on, on the podcast past. It's serviceable as well. They're not playing amazing, but they're playing how they need to be. Yeah, Jesse Bates and – I want to say, what, like 24 points a game, not even? Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. Jesse Bates and Von Bell have played really well at the safety position. Um, Trey Hendrickson, who I thought was a huge pickup for them coming from the Saints last year, this year, six and a half sacks. Um, Sam Hubbard has not played uh, well the past couple games, but he has four sacks still. And Logan Wilson, 60 tackles on the season. He's got a sack, four tackles for loss, four pass deflections, and four interceptions. I mean, he's balling. I think uh, this Bengals team could be good for years to come, especially with how uh, Burrow and Jamar Chase have been linking up. They're only a year apart in the draft. We could see something special. Yeah, I think Joe Burrow's putting to rest a lot of issue or uh, worries, right? Like everyone talks about the lack of arm and just I don't think he needs it that much. No. Like he's not gonna he's not gonna wow you with his throws. But he has great touch. Like to me, he's a he's a better version of Mac Jones. Yeah. Like I think he makes great reads. Yeah, he's just a very competent quarterback. He's very good, very cool under pressure. And I'm very excited to see how the rest of his career turns out. I, I love me some Joe Barrow. It's crazy to think that this only loss for this team is against Chicago. 
And uh, yeah, Joe Burrow played awful that game. Yeah. That's exactly why they lost. It's one turnaround game. We could t- be talking about how Bengals were the team to beat in the NFL instead of the Cardinals. It's crazy. Yeah. But this week, the trade deadline is coming up. We've always seen a lot of rumors of players being moved. We've seen some people moved already with Mark Ingram being moved to New Orleans. Any other players you have in mind that are going to be moved? I got two. My biggest one, and I think the the biggest player that's going to be moved on Tuesday is Brandon Cooks. But before we talk about this, let's discuss the elephant in the room. And I know you think just like me. Let's discuss why Deshaun Watson is not going to get traded. First and foremost, we don't know what's going on with his legal situation. I'm in the camp that believes that he probably is going to settle out of court. There hasn't been any criminal uh, uh, criminal passes at him. It's still a civil case. So I think he'll settle out of court. But why? In Nick Casario is a brand new GM. Why would he ruin his biggest order of business by trading Deshaun Watson in season to either Carolina or Miami, who are two decent teams who are struggling at the quarterback position for them to get really good with Deshaun Watson and win games and then ruin the draft picks that are coming back in the trade. You don't trade players for players in the NFL very often. You might throw in one for a salary match, but really it's picks. And why would he ruin the picks instead of waiting until February Right after the Super Bowl, he knows what the picks are going to be. And there might even be more teams. You know, Derek Carr might leave Vegas. Green Bay might lose Aaron Rodgers. Uh, The Broncos might be looking for a quarterback. Any number of teams could be looking for a quarterback. Why would they not wait? It doesn't make sense to trade him in season. So I just, you know, we need to stop. Deshaun Watson is not going to get traded. If he does, I'll be shocked. And it, it probably comes from ownership. Because as, as a GM, if I'm Nick and Nick Casario's shoes, I already knew I was going to have to trade Deshaun Watson probably, and I don't want to mess up my first big move as GM. Yeah, I mean, you left, left me nothing to talk any more news about. I, I agree <laughs> with everything right there. But, um, yeah, I mean, it just doesn't make sense with Watson. Also, he, has he even practiced all year? No, I don't think so. Yeah, so you're trained for a guy who's not in shape. You're going to have to have him learn the playbook. He already has a lot of investigations going on, does not have a good reputation. It's just, it just doesn't make sense for teams to trade for him. Especially like you're going to give up on Tua already. Like, I know that he hasn't looked great. I'm not a big fan of Tua, but at least give him the full season before you try to trade him. Yeah. Sam Darnold. He looked good the first three games. Let's see what happens when McCaffrey comes back. He may be serviceable. You never know. Yeah. But to players who are going to get traded, the biggest player I think is going to get traded is Brandon Cooks. Um, one of the most underrated players in the NFL. He has 5,000-yard seasons. Um, he's, he's great. He's still a great player. He's a great wide receiver. The teams I could see trading for him, Green Bay, obviously. I think that's the most likely. Um, San Francisco, maybe, depending on how they feel about their receiver situation and how they feel about their chances to make the playoffs. Um, I think he could definitely go to Vegas. They're legit. They could use another receiver because Brian Edwards is not done well. 
The Colts could use another receiver. And shockingly, this is a team that I don't think anyone expects, the Cowboys. Why not? They need a slot receiver. C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper can hold down the the two wide receiver sets. Brandon Cooks is also really good in two wide receiver sets, and C.D. Lamb's good in the slot. So this is a match made in heaven to me. This definitely could could use the services of Brandon Cooks. And I, I don't, uh, do you have anything to say about that? I could see it happening if um, they think Michael Gallup's not going to be coming back because Michael Gallup has been injured. I do think uh, he's a good wide receiver three option, but it's also if the salary caps are going to line up for Dallas, because I don't see him giving up a high pick for Brandon Cooks. Yeah, I think Brandon Cooks is probably going to get traded for about a third, maybe a fourth. Um, The other player I have is Vaughn Miller. I don't really have a team that could like necessarily get Vaughn Miller off the top of my head. But I just know Denver needs to decide what they're doing this season. To me, what they should do is trade Vaughn Miller, trade Justin Simmons, trade Teddy Bridgewater, trade Melvin Gordon, trade their vets. This team is not going to make – they might make the playoffs, but they're probably not. And if they do, they're not good enough to win the Super Bowl. And what do I always say? The worst spot to be in the NFL is in the middle. Yep. It's it's time to move on. It's time to just rebuild. You had a great run. There's great memories from that core. But it's just time to find your your new quarterback and the new direction for your team. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna be sad for Denver fans for Von Miller leaving just because he's done a lot for that team, but I could see it happening because he's had a good start to the season. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people didn't know how he was going to come off the injury from last year, but he's looked great. And I think he could go to a playoff team and help out a lot. I mean, if you're the Cardinals, why not go try to trade for him now that now that J.J. Watt's out for the year? Yeah, you might as well collect all the Infinity Stones. <laughs> or Kansas City. Yeah. Throw, throw uh, something out there. I know it's divisional. Yeah. And um, – I will say, I think Brandon Cooks could end up in Green Bay. I think that's the highest possibility. Yeah, that's what I would say as well. I think Green Bay was definitely the team to to beat to get him. Just because we saw last year that Houston team, Will Fuller, they almost sent Green Bay to – or they almost sent Fuller to Green Bay. So I do think it could happen. And for me, I I got – first one, Deshaun Watson – or I'm sorry, Deshaun Jackson asked for a trade. McVay is granting it, so Deshaun Jackson's going to be on the move, which it's not that big of a deal to me, but maybe some teams looking for a deep threat. I mean, I I think it's just time. I don't know how much value he has now. For I feel team. like he should just go back to Philly, man. Just end yeah. your career there. Just let it be. Yeah. I I I don't know why a team's going to trade for him. Maybe for giving up a seventh-round pick, and that's it. And then I also have a receiver. I have Allen Robinson. He's a free agent looking for his third team next season, hopefully, because if I had Matt Nagy as a coach, I'd want to get out of there. <laughs> and I think they have plans for Darnell Mooney taking over as the number one. Obviously, things are not clicking between him and Justin Fields. I just think it's time to move on between both teams. I could see Raiders – I had the Raiders as the number one team to get him. 
I, Green Bay and Chicago are definitely not making that trade. Yeah. Maybe San Fran as well, like you said. Or I was thinking maybe uh, Philly just to try to get something for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, uh, I think uh, another team is the Ravens. I can see the Ravens. They don't have an Allen Robinson-type receiver because Rashad Bateman is kind of – he's more of a shifty-type receiver, He's and they could use a big-bodied Allen Robinson, very sure-handed. So I would say the, the Raiders are the number one team to get Allen Robinson, though, for sure. And then on the other side of the ball, I had Emmanuel Ogba for Miami, another player set to become an unrestricted free agent. And Miami's not going to be able to afford him because he's looking like he's going to want a big contract. And honestly, at one and six, they're going to need all the money they can get if they do want to get Watson next year. So they might be trading back for some draft picks. I don't know where he'll end up, but teams are always looking for pass rushers. Yep, can never have too many. And that leads us to week eight football picks. We have some we have some good games on deck this week. We have some the, eh. The bipocalypse is over. Yeah. The full schedule is back. Mostly. Um, Vegas and Baltimore are on by. That's the only two. But first game, Carolina, Atlanta. I will take the Panthers. Yeah, I you, do you want to say why or no? I just, I mean, I feel like they're getting Gilmore back. Um, they they got to figure something out offensively. So I'll take the Panthers in a in a comeback game for them. I think Atlanta had a big win last week. I don't see it happening this week. Like like you said, with Gilmore coming back, I have Carolina win this one too. And then another divisional game: Miami Buffalo. This is going to be a slaughter. Um, Buffalo, Buffalo by 100. Yeah, usually last year Miami played Buffalo tough, and then they got slaughtered last time out. I like Flores as a coach, but I just don't think he has a talent around there to stop Buffalo. I could see Stephon Diggs having another big game. Yeah. And then San Fran, Chicago. This is – I hate to say this because the Eagles and Lions are also on this slate, but this is the the the, the America loses bowl right here. Uh, this one's rough. Um, Justin Fields is running around like a chicken with his head cut off, and on the other side you have Jimmy Garoppolo. So I mean, like, there's there's not a lot to watch in this game. I'm gonna take San Francisco because I have faith that we aren't worse than the Bears. But if it happens, it happens. You know, San Fran, if it doesn't rain that game, they probably win, I think. No, Jimmy Garoppolo was awful. I don't care if it rained. Carson Wentz was able to also play in the same conditions and played okay. But um, Chicago's not having Matt Nagy this week. Which might be an upgrade. The special teams coaches taking over for head coach. So with that, I'm going to go San Fran. <laughs> uh Pittsburgh Cleveland another divisional game. I'm going to take Cleveland. Uh I think this will be a good game for them. I think Baker coming back will help the receivers a lot and also I'm just not 
sold on Pittsburgh at all. I think they're a very bad team. I think they're their offense is bad. I think their defense is kind of overrated at this point. And I think Cleveland is good. And Cleveland's also also three and one at home. And this game is at home. So give me Cleveland. I think it'll be a close game. Divisional games can always end up this way. I got Cleveland winning as well. I know they got the injury bug. Pittsburgh offense is one of the worst in the NFL, I think. I could see maybe Deontay Johnson having a big game, but I don't see Najee Harris doing much especially with that Cleveland defense. I think Cleveland defense is going to carry them to this win just because of the injuries. But you never know. It could be a good game. Philly travels to Detroit. This is – there's no rooting interest here other than Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell, you have two of your biggest supporters on this podcast. This is the week, Dan, that you get your first win. We've called it a bunch, but you will not go 0-16 or 0-17. You are going to be 1-7 after this week. Give me the Detroit Lions. Dan, don't mess us up, okay? (laughs) I want you guys to win so bad. Dan, don't do this to us, please, because after this week, if it happens where Jalen Hurts runs around, has a good game, we're going to hear, oh, Jalen Hurts is such a good quarterback. No, what we're going to hear is Dan Campbell gets his first win as an NFL coach, and it was an impressive win behind DeAndre Swift's 150 yards total on the ground. Yes, it's time to unleash the Swift. I, we saw it early against the Rams. That 60-60 yard touchdown pass was amazing. Unleash him. Unleash him. I want to see some more onside kicks. What do you got to lose at this point, Dan? Do it, Dan. (laughs) Another divisional game after that. Tennessee Indy. Give me the Titans. Derrick Henry is going for his 11th and 12th touchdowns on the ground he does have a passing one ladies and gentlemen i'm also going to say he gets a passing touchdown in this game as well three total touchdowns for the running back quarterback extraordinaire derrick henry yeah you know the colts are clicking on all cylinders right now they got back to where everyone thought they were going to be in the season but they're facing derrick henry so throw that all all out the window (laughs) derrick henry's just you're not he gonna in, stop him. Just, he's inevitable. Just don't try. You play him twice a year and you still can't do it. Just, just glad you're not Jacksonville because he really hates Jacksonville. <laughs> so I got Tennessee in that one too. And then Cincinnati versus the New York Jets. All right, on to the Rams, Texas. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm taking Bengals. I. Robert Sala, I'm sorry. You don't look too great as a head coach. Granted, you didn't look too good as a defensive coordinator your first couple of years either. So I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. But with Mike White starting or Joe Flacco or Jordan Johnson, John Johnson, whoever you got starting at quarterback, it don't, matter. it don't matter. Jamar Chase is coming. Joe Mixon is coming. Joe Burrow. So, and y'all just going to have to get over that, okay? Y'all just going to have to get over that. Bengals Beng- are winning. Bengals by 35. And then, like you said, L.A. Houston. Uh, yep. Uh, Daryl Henderson, Cooper Cup, and Matt Stafford should put up 40, and the Texans should put up 3-7. to seven. Moving on. Yep. I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. 
And then now we start the 405 games. New England travels to the Chargers. This is a very big trap game for the Chargers. Um, they cover terribly against the tight end and they suck against the run. These are the two positions that the Patriots happen to excel at. They have two very good tight ends. One used to be your teammate, Hunter Henry, you know, just, you know, pretty good tight end. And Damian Harris, who runs through people right now, it looks like. So I'm going to take the Chargers. I, I still don't see the Patriots beating them. I think the Chargers can win a shootout. But I, this is going to be a close game. You know, I was looking back on this game, and I was like, you know, last year we blew out the Chargers. And I was like, oh, yeah, Anthony Lynn was the head coach. So, that <laughs> But I do think this New England team can pull it off. It's going to be I a do. shootout. I do too. But I think Damian Harris is going to have a big game. Justin Herbert's going to have a good game. I don't know how well Mike will. I don't know who they're putting on Mike Williams. If JC Jackson is shadowing Mike Williams, I don't know if he's going to have that great of a game. But we can see Keenan Allen step up, who's kind of had a quiet season so far. Yeah. I think this could be a game where he breaks out. Also, Look for Kendrick Bourne to catch another deep ball bomb. All I'm saying. Another 405 games. Seattle, Jacksonville. This is the game. I said San Francisco, Chicago was the, the America loses game. This is the actual America loses game. Geno Smith cannot play quarterback. I'm sorry. He's been the backup for three years. He hasn't learned anything. Um, I'm going to take Jacksonville. Um, I think James Robinson has a great game against this terrible defense that Seattle has. I think Trevor Lawrence will have his best game as a pro against the Seattle defense. And I think they're going to win convincingly, actually. I got Seattle winning in a close game just because they were able to keep it close against New Orleans. I think this team can put something together. I don't know what it's going to look like. (laughs) (laughs) But – I think uh, they're going to rely heavily on DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, which is not the best idea with Metcalf. We've seen how that goes. But the one thing I am surprised with these two games of Seattle, they've been competitive. Yeah. It's not like they've been blowout losses. I think think this is the one out of all the starts where Geno Smith is going to win. Nah. Nah, give me the – Give me the Jags. The Jags. Um, four twenty-five game. Washington at Denver. The football team is plus three in this game, and it's disrespectful. Teddy Bridgewater can keep this team on the road. I don't think he can win. Um, many by himself, and I think I keep saying this week in and week out. The Washington football team defensive line has to show up, and they have finally started to show up a little bit. Aaron Rodgers was feeling some heat in that game. And I think I think this is going to be a big breakout game for Washington. I'm going to take the football team. If Washington doesn't break out this game, then we need to stop talking about the defense. Yep, then they're tucked. Denver is has not looked good. Teddy has just been a game manager as much as I hate to say it. But I believe – are they getting Jerry Judy back this week? They are. They could open up the passing game a little bit more. You never know. But with that said, I'm going Washington. And then America's game of the week, Tampa Bay at New Orleans. 
Give me the Bucks. Yeah, I mean that's Bucks are going to dominate. I think we could see Saints defense step up a little bit, but I uh, just I don't see the Saints offense doing too much until Michael Thomas gets back. So, you know, I think Bruce Aarons realizes the same thing since he had Jameis Winston on their center. I don't think he expects much out of this <laughs> offense. He's not going to care about his god-awful pass defense. And because he's, it's okay because he knows that <laughs> his pass defense is going to catch a ball anyway. <laughs> but Brady has looked really good. I know he's an MVP favorite so far. Leonard Fournette has been a key for them. I yes. think that's been the biggest factor for him. Yeah, Mike Evans has looked good. But they're going to they're get Gronk back this week. AB's still out. Doesn't matter. They're still going to dominate. Yeah. Sunday night football. Dallas travels to Minnesota. Give me the Vikings. Minus three. Dak might not play in this game. Um, if Dak does play, I'm still going to take the Vikings because I think this, this, this is a game that the Cowboys lose. I just I, – I feel it in my bones. So I'll take the Vikings, but I th- I'm going really based off of Dak not playing. But even if Dak plays, I think Minnesota pulls it out just a little bit closer. This is a tough game either way. I think, I think it can go either way. If Dak plays, if Dak doesn't play, I'm taking Minnesota. But if Dak does play, I'm taking Dallas, just because a a fully healthy Dak, is, or they don't need a fully healthy Dak with the weapons they have. Yeah. What's been key for them is the Pollard and Zeke. Get them going, and I think they'll be able to win this game. And then Monday Night Football matchup, New York Giants travel to Arrowhead Stadium to take on Kansas City. This should be Kansas City's game to win, but like with how bad their defenses looked, the Giants should be getting Kadarius Toney back with Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Evan Ingram. They won't have Saquon, probably, but Devontae Booker's filled in admirably. I just I, – they have enough weapons where this could be close, but it just doesn't feel right to say the Chiefs lose this game. Yeah, you know, Galladay's out again. Shocker. They spent <laughs> $75 million for nothing. And – I do think that the Giants can keep it somewhat competitive, but I just think this is one of those games where Kansas City has to win. Like, if they don't win here, then there's a there's a bigger problem than what is going on. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. I, I'm going Kansas City. And talking about problems, my favorite problem that I have is a gambling problem. So another uh, another new segment we're adding is is my personal touch called the cash or pass segment. Now, Tommy, I'm going to read you off some bets. Show me the money. I just want you to tell me whether you would cash in on them or pass on them. So starting off, we're going to do the NBA, but we had some malfunctions, some timing issues. So we're just doing the NFL this week. Jacksonville plus three and a half versus Seattle. Cash or pass? Before we do this, I want everyone to know that Jordan and I have together, when we work together, have hit one parlay. Yes, so, we're not we're not very good, but but 
individually, we do a lot better. Yes, our picks are not terrible. But um, Jacksonville versus Seattle, plus three and a half to Jacksonville? Yep, plus three and a half. I'll take it. Cash. Cash, homie. All right. Damian Harris over 71 and a half rushing yards against the Chargers. Easy. Cash. I'm saying 105. All right. Detroit money line. Detroit to win outright against Philly. It's plus 185. So Philly is favored. I would say cash it, depending on what your other picks are looking like. All right. Bucks minus four and a half against the Saints. Cash it. I th- I think they, they win by more than a touch or a touchdown or more. Yeah, I just feel like this Bucks game, you know, Jameis is it's a Jameis pick away from them winning yeah. by a touchdown. So I, I like that bet a lot. Um the Damian Harris bet, 71 and a half. Chargers can't stop nobody running the ball. They're very bad against uh running uh running backs. So I like that. And Detroit, I, we love Dan Campbell. So that was an easy one. Next two, Derrick Henry over 105, 105.5 rushing yards against the Colts. You crazy if you don't cash us in. Crazy. Derrick Henry is the engine that makes this offense go. He's averaging, I want to say, like 120 rushing yards a game right now. So, And he just had a down game. He only had 89 against the Chiefs. So he's, you know, he had a – that was a he bye week for him. Touchdown. Yeah, that was a bye week for him. <laughs> I mean, they probably stopped running him after the third quarter. <laughs> Najee Harris, over 65 and a half rushing yards against Cleveland. Pass. I I think he's only hit that mark once this season. Yeah. I mean, if we're talking it's since it's rushing yards, no. But if it was combined or receiving yards, I could see him getting over 65. Rushing yards, the- though, no. I think the combined was 91 and a half. Would you do over 91 and a half combined rushing receiving yards? I'd hit pass though. I'm yeah. saying around 80. I, I think Cleveland's got a really tough defense yeah. against running backs. I don't like that player prop at all. So we we have that cash or pass. We gave you some decent odds, some decent picks. You can tell us whether you cash or pass in, pass on them. And now we have our trap games of the week. Games that just everything seems a little too fishy about them. And mine is Atlanta being favored against Carolina. They're coming off a big win, yes, but Carolina's coming off kind of a down week, but they're getting Stephon Gilmore. I just feel like this is a game where most people probably expect Carolina to play better than they have. And I just, I don't know. I feel like Carolina should be the underdog here. So I'm taking, or I feel like Atlanta should be the underdog here. I'm going to take Carolina. I don't like Atlanta being favored at all. That line is fishy to me. My trap game was Dallas, Minnesota, just because I I don't know if this is going to be, I, they have Minnesota minus four, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I think it could go either way. I I really do. Like, it's it's just very tough for me. It's just one game I would just stay away from in general. Yeah, I think this is a this is a classic case of since Dak's not playing, people want to say that the team's going to be awful. Yeah. But the difference is the offensive line is healthy this year, and Tony Pollard and Zeke are more than capable of carrying them to a victory. We saw yeah. it against the Chargers. So, 
it's it's not good. It's not a good bet for me either way. Plus four or minus four for this one. Yeah, I could see him. I could see like with the Bucks Saints game, we could see a win by a touchdown or a loss by a touchdown. Yeah. So moving on from our trap games, the last thing we'll talk about today is our locks. I'm going to keep a record of this if we hit them or not. So starting off with our first two, I'll give two. Tommy will give two. My two locks of the week. One is happening right now, I do believe. I have Miami winning versus Memphis. Um, For some reason, Miami was the underdog in this game. It was plus 115 for Miami Moneyline. I'm taking that all day, all day against Memphis. I think Miami will win that game. You want a score update? Yes. 46 to 27, second quarter. And it is? Miami. Miami's one exactly. Uh, defense is legit. This is going to be hard to score on them. And my lock for the NFL is Scary Terry over 80 or uh, over 68.5 receiving yards. It was minus 115, so not great odds, normal odds. But Denver doesn't have a great pass defense. Scary Terry is coming off a pretty good week. I feel like this is a game Washington has to win. They're going to have to get the ball to Scary Terry. I like I like 68 and a half. I'll take over. Um, I, I messed up on mine. I forgot to put the odds in mine. But um, for me, my two locks are Nets Moneyline versus Detroit, which I believe is tomorrow night or tomorrow. I think the Nets team is, even though they've looked bad, this is a get-right game where KD could just – take over because no one on Detroit can guard them. And then my other one is Joe Burrow over under 265 and a half yards passing it. I'm hitting the over just because Jets have – if Mac Jones can uh, look the way he did, Joe Burrow can definitely look way better than that. Yeah, I agree. Those are our picks of the week. We are glad we can help you with your betting. We're sorry, too, if it uh, <laughs> doesn't go your way. They're just suggestions, okay? All yeah, right. Don't. Yeah. This, is, this isn't by, you know, cross our hearts, hope to die, okay? Don't get too mad at us. Anything else you'd like to add? No, man. I think that's, I think that's pretty much it. There you have it. There's another episode of The Locker Room. Join us next week as we will see if our bets hit. Did our NFL picks go right? What's the NBA going to be looking like next week? Who knows? But join us as we will update with you more with more sports info. Have a great day, everyone. Peace.